Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. So on this week's episode, we're going to look at the NBA and college basketball, and specifically college basketball coaches and their NBA futures. So we recently found out that John Beeline is stepping down as head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. There was a mutual um, you know, split and so the team hired um, assistant coach J.B. Bickerstaff to be the head coach to replace um, Beeline. And it seemed like uh, Bickerstaff was the eventual successor to Beeline at some point. No one expected it to be this quickly after, you know, just over a half season. And so now the Cleveland Cavaliers um, do not have the coach who they hired this offseason from Michigan. So um, he is officially out after a half season. So now the Cavaliers have to um, move on with Bickerstaff as their head coach. And so that um, is something that uh, I guess is a little surprising because um, he was such a great college coach and came to the NBA, and now I guess it didn't work out. And so... um, yeah, what I want to look at now is the NBA and college coaches and how they've done and how they've fared. And so now, since uh, Beeline is officially out as head coach of the Cavaliers, we currently have two head coaches left um, who are former college coaches then made the transition into the NBA. First one is Billy Donovan. And in 2015, he became the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was a great college basketball player at Providence College. He went to Florida as a head coach, won two uh, championships back-to-back, and was um, very successful as a head coach for um, Florida, and then transitioned to the Oklahoma City Thunder, where he had Kevin Durant, and then there was Westbrook, and Paul George, and, you know, Ibaka, and sort of the um, situation right there now totally different team still having some success most likely going to be a playoff team so um, Oklahoma City is still doing um, pretty good right there if you look at um, his numbers um, you know they're not bad he is um, just as um, you know his record um, about 232 wins 151 losses a 0.606 win percentage and basically has made the playoffs in all of the seasons he's played um or has coached which is five or four seasons and then this season it looks like he'll be his fifth playoff um as well so billy donovan is the um first one then we have boston celtics brad stevens who came in from Butler, he is um, was seen as like one of the you know young and up and coming coaches, uh, and is very very uh, you know successful in Boston. Um, his first season, not so much, but he made the playoffs in one, two, three, four, five seasons after that, and so his record three oh eight two thirty eight with a point five six four win percentage um or a percentage um so very good um obviously last season he was um five wins four losses in the playoffs he swept indiana 
lost um, all but one game against uh, Milwaukee. And so he's going to make the playoffs again. And so um, you have those two guys, Brad Stevens and, you know, Billy Donovan, who are now um, in the NBA. And surprisingly, they're doing very good, although um, everybody else on this list, for the most part, we're going to talk about has not been uh, anything close to that. So let's look. Fred Hoiberg was in 2015 Iowa State to the Chicago Bulls. He is now the head coach at Nebraska. So he was a head coach a couple of seasons in Chicago, and then it kind of faltered. He ended up going back to college where he was much better and is much better. A record of 115 and 155 losses. So um, most of the guys on this list, I would say, um, besides the two that are currently there, um, you know, their records are going to be sub 500. That's just how it's going to be. Then we have um, Reggie Theus, who was a um, head coach for the Sacramento Kings in 2007. He was at New Mexico State beforehand. Um, he kind of bounced around afterwards, coaching in different places. And he played in the NBA, too. Um, 44 and 62 um, record, so sub-500. Um, you know, not um, the worst, but, you know, could be much better. Then we have Mike Montgomery, Stanford head coach to Golden State Warriors 2004. Um, he is someone who um, also had, um, you know, some success in college. And then he went to the NBA and with um, his team, not um, uh, really that good. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know... Could have done much better, obviously um, didn't. He ended up going to California after the Golden State Warriors and coached there until 2014. So, you know, he has been a well-regarded coach in college. Um, I guess not so much um, in the NBA. Then we have Leonard Hamilton, who was the head coach at Miami for a while. He was at Oklahoma State before that, and then he did one season with the Wizards and then went to Florida State, where he currently is a coach and has been a coach since 2002. So for him, he had some success um, in college, went to the NBA not so good, and decided to make his way back and is now doing well in college. And Florida State has made the tournament on a lot of um, occasions, and so that is um, good for him. So, um, you know, he's doing much better. Then we have um, Lon Kruger with a 62-122 record in um, NBA, which was with the Atlanta Hawks for three seasons. Um, and he was a coach at Florida, Illinois, um, and then the Atlanta Hawks, then was a assistant for a year with the Knicks. Then he went back to UNLV. And then from 2011 to today, he is the coach at Oklahoma. So, um, yes, he is um, playing great basketball as a head coach. Um, you know, his teams are doing well. But his NBA chops were far from, you know, exceptional. They weren't really that good. And he had a sub-500 um, record and so unfortunately um 
he didn't do well in the NBA like a lot of these guys are going to, you know, fare. But, um, you know, not that bad. Then um, we have the next guy here, Tim Floyd, who was a um, coach at Iowa State. And he was there four seasons before coming to the Chicago Bulls. And um, he is one of the only guys on this list who has coached in multiple locations. So he was uh, three seasons in Chicago and then a season in New Orleans and then ended up going back to USC and then was at UTEP for um, seven seasons and 2007 was his last run. Unfortunately, he wasn't a great NBA coach, but he went back to college and had uh, more success. And so uh, not bad uh, for him. Then we have Rick Pitino, who was a uh, very good coach um, in uh, at Boston University. Then he went to the Knicks as an assistant, and then he went to Providence, which was a um, two years at Providence, eighty-five to eighty-seven, and then coached the Knicks for two seasons, which was um, you know a good thing. Um, and then he went to Kentucky. For a long time, the Celtics for, you know, 97 to 2001, and then Louisville until he got ousted for his recruiting sex scandal, um, escort situation, and now coaches in Greece. So um, his record in um, the NBA was um, 192 and 220. So close to 500, but not 500, just under. Um he was definitely more well-known for college basketball. And, um, you know, for him, um, obviously everyone remembers um, his run at, um, you know, uh, Louisville. Uh, so, obviously, um, at least I remember him as the, you know, Louisville coach as one of the best for them. And so um, he ended up, uh, you know, playing, going there afterwards. And so his NBA chops weren't as good as some of the other guys coming out of the um, college ranks into the NBA. Um, yeah. Then we have John Calipari, who is UMass to the New Jersey Nets. Um, and so Calipari was a very, very good coach at UMass for 1988 to 1996. Then he slid um, all the way to New Jersey um, and was there for three seasons, and then he was an assistant for a season at Philadelphia with the 76ers. Then he went to Memphis for nine seasons, and now, from 2009, currently is the head coach, the one-and-done coach at Kentucky, where most of his players, one year, and then they leave. So um, he is um, definitely um, a very good um, college coach. His um, numbers in terms of um, the NBA, 72 and 112, um, so um, not really um, great, but he was is going to be more known for um, his college basketball and is probably the most well-known, you know, college basketball coach on this list, um, and so yeah, um, that is Calipari. And then we have um, the final one we're going to look at here, P.J. Carlissimo, who was a Seton Hall coach um, for, uh, I believe, 12 seasons until 1994 um, and was a head coach in college for a while before um, going from 94 to 97 with the Trailblazers 
Then we have 97-99, the Warriors, an assistant with the Spurs for like 2002-2007. to And um, he was an NBA champion um, there. Uh, and then you have from 2007 until um, 2009, he was with um, OKC. And then an assistant with Toronto. And then was with the Brooklyn Nets from 2011 to 2013 as both an assistant and an interim head coach for um, a season. So, um, to say the least, he was a very good coach. Um, Two-time Big East Coach of the Year and a regional champion Final Four 1989, but um, then decided to take it to the NBA. And so, unlike a lot of people on this list, he went college to NBA and never looked back. And he is not coaching right now. But he did um, uh, go to the NBA and didn't go back to college. And so his numbers, 239, 315, sub 500, um, right there. So looking at all of this stuff, and we're going to take Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan out of this for the moment. All the guys who coached in the NBA prior, and it didn't work out, you know, why? Why did that? That's what I want to look at, and that's what I want to find out. Why did, you know, all of these, you know, head coaches not work out? And why is it tough for college basketball coaches to come up into the NBA and be successful um, and work out? So when you look at college basketball, you're looking at, for the most part, programs that are made up of a few guys at the top who have potential NBA status, and that depends on the team. Obviously, Kentucky is going to have more NBA players than, um, you know, some of those smaller schools like Loyola Chicago. Um, and so, obviously, you know, those schools, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, are, um, you know, you know, a bunch of guys who will eventually be NBA players or international basketball players in some aspects. Um, but for the most part, there's a few guys who have the potential to be NBA players on the you know top tier schools, and then maybe one or two guys from you know the smaller schools who could be NBA players. Um, but overall, um, you're dealing with most most you know of your players who will just go to school, play four years, three four years of basketball, and then they're done, and they won't pursue the NBA because they won't make it. You know when you play in the NBA and you I guess, coaching the NBA, all the guys you're coaching are guys who either went through college and were top of their team, or if they're international players, they were, um, you know, good international players. But, you know, if you look at Brad Stevens and the Celtics, you know, all of the guys on the Celtics who went to college were, you know, top of their team. You know, they might have went to a smaller school, but they were the number one guy or number two guy on that team. So, you know, in, you know, the NBA, you have to deal with players who are NBA guys. They went to college and um, came into the NBA. And so, you know, they have a totally different mindset going into it. And as coaching, you got to coach them differently because, you know, it's not about just having fun. These guys want to compete. It's a championship caliber um, atmosphere. They want to, you know, win games because they want to get paid. And so, that's just how it is. So, you know, there's definitely a totally different mindset because you're dealing with not only, you know, guys who were in college and then came into the NBA uh, and in, you know, the college basketball world, it's just 
guys out of high school who are very good and you know most of them won't even you know wear another jersey after their four years of college so um yeah that's one of the biggest differences um obviously there's more opportunities as a head coach in the nba but that's not really i guess a reason why it would um make a difference in this scenario um i i don't know i think you know you can be very good in college and then go into um the nba and just not be as good of a coach right there now you know this is something that you see in pretty much every single sport now let's look for a second at nick saban nick saban is by far and away the best college football coach in america and he is someone who um was a offensive defensive coordinator um on different levels for a variety of teams in college then he was um the cleveland browns defensive coordinator for four seasons then he went to michigan and was a head coach or i said michigan state and was a coach for four years then four years at lsu and then a season at miami the dolphins and then um was with alabama ever since and so for saban he didn't really work out in you know the nfl ranks and you know you look at he, how he's done at alabama it's just far and away better than anything else out there and so um you know in most sports you know you look at baseball it's the same thing and in hockey and stuff most if not all of the coaches in the nba either were starting out in the ranks as a coach in the nba as an assistant somewhere or a graduate assistant or some sort of editor and then you eventually make your way up to assistant coach and then head coach or you're a former nba player and you have success or even if you don't you are on a team for six years they need a head coach they sign you as the next guy and you kind of play your basketball as a head coach and you play in the nba and so you have that experience and so you know yes being a college coach is great but if you don't have NBA experience prior to that, it's very difficult to actually um, know what's going on because it's a totally different ballgame. Like I said, being a head coach in the college ranks is one thing, but being you know an NBA coach or an NFL coach is just totally different mm -hmm. because all the guys in the NBA, you know, at least the ones that went to college, were the best of their you know schools, the best players. You know, everybody is the best in the NBA. When you're in college basketball, you don't have that, you know. You might have two guys at the top of your team who are very good NBA talent, and then everyone else kind of scatters around, most of which won't even make it into the NBA or overseas. And so, you know, that's just kind of how the NBA is right now. And so, yes, Billy Donovan is doing well, although he hasn't made an NBA Finals. Yes, Brad Stevens has made the Eastern Conference Finals twice. But, um, you know, at the moment, uh, he's not um, an NBA caliber championship coach because he hasn't made the, the finals. Um, and granted, when you face LeBron James, it's tough to, you know, deal with that. And it's tough to compete against that because he's so much better than everybody else. And so, you know, at the moment, we'll see how both of those coaches fare. But it seems like... Um, the situation is um, Brad Stevens is a good coach, so is Billy Donovan, but the majority of college coaches who come into the NBA will either leave the NBA and go back to college or, you know, become an assistant coach in the NBA or just 
leave the sport altogether. And so, um, you know, most of those guys, that's how it goes. They don't end up being, you know, a head coach for long in the NBA because, you know, it's a totally different ball game. And, you know, that's just a big part of what it is. So that is college coaches, NBA, uh, transitioning, all that stuff. So that's uh, talking about that. Now let's move on to some buyout NBA candidates and uh, where they are ending up. So the Los Angeles Clippers have Patrick Beverly, and they are adding another point guard to the mix, um, Reggie Jackson. Um, you know, is the newest member of the Clippers. He ended up signing after he was released by the Pistons. He played four seasons in Oklahoma City, then went to the Pistons, um, and uh, he is a good backup point guard, someone who I think will be a nice addition to the Clippers. Maybe he can get a little bit of shooting, and that might help, but um, basically, uh, I think it's a good move for their team. Then... We also saw a couple of other players get moved around. We saw um, uh, Damari Carroll get uh, let go by the Spurs. We saw Jeff Green get let go by um, Utah. And both of those guys will be joining the Houston Rockets. Um, and, um, yeah, the Rockets don't have any size. And Damari Carroll and Jeff Green, to be honest, aren't going to um, help with that because... You know, you look at um, those two guys, they're um, small forwards slash power forwards. And so, you know, six, 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 seven type guys. So, you know, Houston Rockets are still somehow, you know, making it work. And um, they don't have any big, you know, big men. And so, you know, in the West, they're in fifth place. Uh, and so, you know, they're still chugging along. And so that is the Houston Rockets and kind of who they added um, right there. So now I want to look at some other news involving Andrew Wiggins. So there are multiple reports out that say Andrew Wiggins could get moved on the offseason by Golden State. And one of the reasons why they made the Golden State uh, Milwaukee D'Angelo Russell trade is because first and foremost, Andrew Wiggins fits better. But second, they want to use him in a future trade if they get a top five pick to get a you know superstar caliber player and it's good for matching salaries to have um you know andrew wiggins there because he makes you know 27 million and um he is someone who i think would be um the right fit um somewhere else too i think he'll be good in golden state but i think I think they got him so they could trade him potentially with a top pick. They also got some picks from the um, Minnesota Timberwolves, which, you know, those picks can also be used in a trade. And so I think they did that for those reasons. And so if you have a top five pick this year, you have a pick in 2021, um, then you can throw Andrew Wiggins into that mix and you can get some pretty good return. So there are a lot of teams out there that could be interested, definitely. Bradley Beal might be a name that gets thrown around. I don't think um, Golden State would want another guard, so they might go after a big man or you know someone else who's a forward. Uh, that could help much more. But I think you know that's one of the reasons why they got um, um, that guy. And so I also read somewhere that the Golden State Warriors, if they get a top pick, they're not going to draft Lamelo Ball because they don't need another guard. 
and um, I think that's where they're going to be. So, um, final thing I want to look at is involving Minnesota. So, Minnesota got D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns is there, and so D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns have had a dream of playing together since AAU basketball, and Devin Booker has also had a dream of playing, you know, NBA basketball with, you know, his two friends. And so when you look at, you know, the situation right now, they're in a pretty good place. And you have, you know, Devin Booker, who is on a not-so-good Phoenix Suns team and a Minnesota team that's um, pretty good. Um, maybe not this season, but with um, D'Angelo Russell um, in Carlton Towns, they'll be much better. And so... Um, Basically, uh, what I want to look at right now is a situation in which the um, Minnesota Timberwolves try and get Devin Booker and what would some sort of a Devin Booker deal look like. So, um, let's get into that one. So, Devin Booker makes $27 million, and so if the Minnesota Timberwolves got Devin Booker, they would need to find some sort of a matching salary. And so, right now... Um, I'm going to put in Alan Crabb because he is $18 million. He is a one-year deal, and most likely he's going to be gone um, this offseason. So you'll have all of that money to use um, this offseason to uh, acquire Devin Booker. So Alan Crabb will be the first piece. Then, most likely, you're going to add Jared Culver into the mix because he is a young you know, player, someone who has... Um, a lot of upside. So uh, Culver would be thrown into that mix. Then you're going to throw in Josh Okogie, who um, also um, would be needed to be involved. Then you'd most likely throw in that Brooklyn pick because you acquired that um, on the trade deadline um, situation with the Clint Capella deal. So that's coming uh, to the Suns as well. Now, the... Uh, issue right now is the fact that you can't trade your 2020 first round draft pick because you don't know where um, the 2021 first round pick which is going to Golden State will land and so if it's top three protected it stays in Minnesota in 2022 or 2021 if it is um, unfortunately top three Golden State gets a pick in 2022 so you don't actually know um, you know what the deal is there so you can't trade the 2020 pick or the 2022 pick until you know you know how that goes which means you can't trade your 2023 first round pick because you have to still wait how wait and see because of the stipend rule you can't trade multiple first round picks in a row so the earliest pick at the moment they could trade would be 2024 so i think you know you throw that brooklyn pick in maybe you throw in a first round pick 2024 um and you throw in Alan Crabb, at the moment, although it'll be the offseason when this trade gets done, so um, you won't have to worry about any money situation. But for the sake of the trade right now, he's being thrown in. Then Jared Culver and Josh Kogi. And seeing how that goes, you have a trade that works. Now, um, why would the Suns do this? We know why the Timberwolves would, so we don't have to look at that. But why would the Suns do this? I mean... Devin Booker is a great player, and you get Culver, and you get Josh Kogi, who can replace him. Um, 
Those guys are both young. You get a first-round pick from Brooklyn. You get a future first-round pick from Minnesota. And so um, I think all of that culminates into a great situation for your team. And so do I think the Suns would ever trade Booker? Probably not. Um, and so do you think um, they will ever play together, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Devin Booker? Probably not, unless D'Angelo Russell becomes a free agent, Carl Anthony Towns becomes a free agent, and they want to go somewhere else. You know, or Devin Booker becomes a free agent and just wants to go to Minnesota. But if it was me, I don't think there would be any deal that would make sense because basically Minnesota got rid of a lot of their assets during the trade deadline. And so what they have might not entice a team out there um, like um, the uh, Phoenix Suns. Now, what you could do is this offseason, since you'll have a ton of cap space, you could sign and trade someone that maybe Phoenix would be interested in if there is a free agent out there that entices Phoenix enough to um, to do it. You know, maybe a younger player who's got uh, a lot of upside or another max contract who you could match salaries. You know, the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to have cap space. So you could do something like that and it would make sense so... You know, there's options, but most likely Devin Booker's staying put, and so is the rest of, um, you know, Minnesota's stuff. So, yeah, that's going to do it right there, and that's going to do it for this week's episode. So tune in to next week's episode where we look at more basketball news topics and stuff.